My name is Jeremiah Sinclair. I'm a man who is currently very low on patience. Damn! Making people wait and shit. Like we ain't got nothing else to do with our time. We don't, Solace. You don't? I could be doing all types of shit. Didn't you know, man? I'm everywhere you want to be. Call me Visa. Right. To make a long story short, I overstepped my bounds with my employer, the corporation. Unknowingly failed a mission that cost a client untold billions of dollars and found the same client had kidnapped my wife and children. I was contacted by one of his lackeys, a gravel-voiced man named Clements, who advised me that as penance for my shortcoming, I would have to complete four separate jobs for the client's bosses. Failure to contact him every day would lead to horrible consequences for my children and my wife. Failure to complete a job would lead to a death in the family. Upon further inquiries of when the jobs were to begin, he said soon, and to take time to be thankful that I still had a family. He would be in contact with me soon, one way or the other. That was a day ago. I hadn't heard anything else since. Man, you gotta quit with all that pacing. You keep going at that pace, you gonna wear a hole in the carpet. Damn, man, you're like a pinned-up wildebeest with that look on your face. He said I have a time limit. Well, the time can't start until they see the information, right? You can't be penalized if you don't even know where you're supposed to be at, right? True. Unless, unless they did send it to you, and you just didn't get it because they gave you a shitty-ass Getro PCS phone or something. I hate them bitches. Go from having four bars of service to searching for service in two seconds. And you ain't even moved. That's the kind of stuff that makes me wish I still had a beeper, you know? My family is the light of my world, but Trevor Solace Salento is my beacon. He's insolent, rude, and openly hostile at times, but he's also loyal to a fault. He has never failed me when I needed him the most. A beeper? Yep. Back when you could tell girls to use a code. Remember that? When they would be like, I'ma call you! And you would say, Alright girl, use code 284. What they didn't know was that by using that code, they were simply classifying themselves. I had them in sections, man. Numbers 101 through 190 were the top girls. 191 through 270 were backups. Really? Yep. I had this one girl. Her number was 379. Three in the face, seven in the waist, and nine in taste. The girl was a gold digger for no reason, man. She wasn't cute enough to get nothing out of me, though. Her code meant I was a fool if I called her back, you know? Uh huh. So one day I was out with 149, and while we was out enjoying the day, 531 came walking around the corner. 531. Yep, she was one of the girls that I couldn't do nothing for, but she looked like she would beat me up if I didn't give her a number. So anyway, 531 saw me and 149, and her beady little eyes turned red. She started pawing the ground like a bull, man. Like, like she was about to charge. 
I could see it in her eyes that she was going to gore me and then carry 149 off like Donkey Kong. She was that big? Why did you give her your page number? Mm-hmm. I get lonely. Anyways, right when she began her rush, I threw a Twix bar across the street. The golden foil caught her eye and she ran off after it. We took off, man, just like pew! She ate the Twix in one bite and saw us out the corner of her eye and the chase was on. I was doing everything I could to shake that girl, man. I threw trash cans in her way and she just hurtled them. I threw trash cans at her and she just headbutted them out into orbit. I'm telling you, man, she was an awesome beast to behold. So, what happened? Man, we ended up on one side of a parked car and she was on the other. Whenever she came around the corner of the car, we went around the other side. Always keep a car between you and an ugly one, man. Anyways, we came to a standstill because she was out of breath, and so I took off again. So you were scot-free, right? We would have been, except 149 tripped. I don't know what it is about chicks and tripping in horror movies, man, but she tripped, and it was like, Down goes Frasier! Down goes Frasier! I, I was going to go back and help her, but... Was? Yep, just as I was about to go back those three blocks to help her up. Three blocks? Yeah, man, I wasn't about to get crushed by a man-eater. Anyways, just as I made up my mind to turn around, I looked over my shoulder, and 531 was on her. It wasn't even a fight, man. It was bad. Really bad. Somebody should have stopped it. Should have? Yep. What? You. You didn't stop the fight. Have you ever tried to take a barbecue bone from a dog, man? That girl would have ripped my arm off and beat 149 with it. So I just told her I'd see her around and page me, and I took off. Right. I wasn't worried, because I had plenty of girls with plenty of codes. Only thing was, that 531 was not adverse to beating her way up the list. Next, she took out 237. Then, 196. And then... 187. Isn't 187 the code for a murder? Yep. I gave that girl that code because she was killing fools with her badass self. But once 531 got her, man, I had to rank her lower immediately. How much lower? Man, I had to rank her to 530. Wow. She was still one ahead of 531, huh? Yep. 531 was still uglier than a girl with a swollen cranium and gravel pock marks all over her face. So, what happened? My girl stopped messing with me. My codes dried up. Not a single girl was calling, except for 531. She would beat me. 531-911. Wasn't 911 the code for an emergency? Yep, except she wasn't saying she was in danger. She was letting me know that she had just beat up another code and telling me where to reach them at. That was it for me. I retired from the beeper game, man. But I miss it. I miss it all the time. Sometimes I still hear the beep, beep, beep. It just be calling me, sin. 
Solace, sometimes I hate you. The text message had finally arrived. I opened the message, and there was a video from Clements. Mr. Sinclair, before I go into details of your first job for us, I don't think I need to remind you of what is at stake for yourself and your family. However, I do want to say something that you have heard before from Mr. Treadwell. That failure is not an option. This message is being sent to you at 7.25 p.m., and we expect the job to be completed by 7.25 p.m. tomorrow. This time is not negotiable. Here are the details of the situation. Leonard Russert is building a cloaking device that will allow one to be almost undetectable. If a man were to wear the device, he would be unnoticeable from seven feet away. However, he has gotten cold feet, or builder's block, or whatever they call it when a scientist doesn't want to finish a job for moral reasons. He grew a conscious. He doesn't wish to build a technology that will be used for wartime situations. We need you to convince him to complete the device, and then excuse him from work. Mr. Russert is currently in Durham. Your flight leaves in 37 minutes. Pack light. The video message ended, and I looked at the picture of the target, or as I like to think of them, my guest. Russert was tall and stocky, with a PhD from Duke University and another from the University of Clemson. He was single, worked late hours, and his closest living family member was a cousin in the military, stationed in Germany. I arrived at the airport and boarded the flight to North Carolina. The flight was uneventful, and we got into our rental car and drove to our hotel. Um, why are we going to the hotel? Be because. Because what? You saw the guy, you saw the hours he worked, and you saw the amount of time that we have. There's no reason why we shouldn't get this started tonight and get the hell out of here by tomorrow afternoon. And if you could think of one, I'd love to hear it. I couldn't. Silas was right. We needed to get to Russford as soon as possible so that we could ensure that we got all data and information necessary to succeed in the first job. I punched the address for his company into the GPS system, and we headed towards downtown Durham. Once we arrived at the Triangle, which is where the majority of genome and nanotech research was done in North Carolina, we exited the vehicle and walked towards the building. I had expected to meet some resistance as I used the key reader that I carried with me to open the door, but we walked into the lobby and to the elevators without anyone stepping towards us or even looking in our direction. We boarded the elevator and went up to the 11th floor. Do you ever think about, you know, not killing people? I'm sorry, what? You know, like, in instead of killing them, you just knock them out or something. Have you ever thought about doing that? Have you ever tried knocking someone out? It isn't nearly as easy as they make it seem in the movies. It was easy when 531 did it. I have my job to do as specified by my client. If my client says to kill someone, I do it. If they say to throw a guy out of a window, I do it. What if they say to take a guy out for ice cream? It better have poison in it. We arrived at the 11th floor and disembarked. The halls were dimly lit 
with rich black cherry carpeting and exquisite pictures hung on the walls. We walked to the end of the corridor and looked around. At the end of the next passage was a door that said, Research. I used the code that was sent to me in the text message, and with the whoosh of air, the door opened. We walked into the door and were struck by the brightness of the room. It was the direct opposite of the hallway, so bright that there was not a shadow in any area of the extent of the space. In the middle of the brightness, there stood a computer terminal, a shelf, a radio, and a man. The man was Russert. Well, if you are coming in, hurry up. This is a clean room, so remember to put the mask and outfit on prior to coming. He paused as he turned around and saw me. I guessed that there weren't too many people who were even allowed access into this room, and he probably knew each and every one of them. I clearly was not on that list. Who are you? My name isn't important. Well, I'm not just going to call you guy number one. Give me something to call you by. You can call me Clyde. Okay, Clyde. What I'm going to need you to do is turn around and walk out of here. If you do that, right now, I won't push this button to alert security. I don't know how you got in here, and I don't care. All that matters to me is that you know that I'm giving you a chance to leave here. I didn't see you. I didn't see anything. Just walk away. I looked at him for a second, slightly impressed by his bravery. I had encountered the lowest of the low as far as society was concerned, and by and large, even they had a tremble in their voice when I first made my presence known. Russert, however, was looking at me in a way that was more annoyance than alarm. I, I felt sorry for him. In another life, we could have been friends. I am not leaving, and you're not pushing that button. Let me make this crystal clear for you. You can push that button and alert security, but before they arrive, you'll be dead and I'll be gone. If you push that button, the first thing that I do will be the last thing that you see. Do you understand me? Russert stood up, defiantly staring at me. What do you want? I've been sent here by a group that's interested in your invention. They had heard that you were having a bit of a hang-up in finishing the project, though, so they sent me to encourage you. So let me make sure I have this straight. The device that I was building that could lead to massive consequences for the world as a whole, the device that could make it possible for anyone to spy on you at any time so you can never feel secure in your own home, the device that will possibly lead to a police state in any country, that device, fuck them and fuck you. I'm not going to be the cause of pain for generations to come. I will not be that guy. When you look in the history books 40 years from now, you will not see Leonard Russert's name in there for anything more than he came, he saw, he did great works, and he died. Do you understand me? Understand this. I'm on a very truncated time limit. I understand that you've begun a device that you have had second thoughts about, but the fact that you began the project in the first place has ears perking up. The people who sent me tell me that all you really need to do is push a few buttons and flip a few switches to complete it. They encourage you to finish it now. He looked at me and sighed. So, I complete this. I finish what I shouldn't have started in the first place. What happens after that, Clyde? Do I just walk away, Clyde? 
Are you going to let me go, Clyde? What if I promise to never talk about it to the press, Clyde? If I promise to go into a convent, Clyde, am I going to change my life after this, Clyde? I've got a plan to live completely from the earth. I'm going to be a hippie. If I say that, can I go? Damn! This dude reminds me of... me! No. I do this, I die. If you don't do this, you die. If I'm going either way, then let me die with a fuck you. Not your choice. Russert sighed again. It was clear that he was not proud of his work, but I didn't care. In fact, I could easily empathize. I hadn't been proud of my work for at least two months. Alright, I can download all the data and give you the prototype. After that, after I've set the destruction of the world in motion, I don't give a damn what you do to me. Shoot! It's gonna be easier than I thought it would be. Okay. Get started. It took another six hours for the project to be completed. He worked in silence, connecting wiring and muttering to himself. At times he seemed flustered, but never by my presence or by his fate. If anything, he seemed to be upset that he was leaving this as his legacy. It made me think about what I was leaving as mine. All right, I'm done. Do you want a demonstration? He disappeared. For a moment, I, th I thought about shooting wildly, but I knew that if I did that, I would alert security. So I didn't. Instead, I walked backwards towards the entrance, blocking it. If he wanted to get out, he would have to go through me. And invisible or not, I'm not losing a fight. What the hell are you doing? I'm still right here. He revealed himself, showing that he was still standing in the same exact space. I was amazed. When he pressed that button, I couldn't see him at all. It was astounding to witness. So here's the prototype, and here's the data. I've been through this before. Is this the only data for this device? Yes. And it works. You just saw me install the information from that drive into this prototype. You aren't smart, are you? I walked over, and he placed the device and the flash drive into my hands. He looked me directly in my eye. I saw no fear. I only saw regret. So, if you kill me now, you'd never make it out of this office. Security would have you on tape running out of here. You'd be on the news immediately. You would be killed. But is there tape recording right now? Not in here. This is a confidential area. But as soon as you walk out, smile. So what do you plan on doing? Let's go for a ride. Okay. We walked out the room and out of the building. We got into my car and drove to Lake Mitchie. When we arrived, the sun was coming up. We got out of the car and walked to the edge of the lake, watching the sunrise. You know, when I was growing up, I used to watch the sun come up every morning. I loved it. It was just so amazing to me that no matter what happened the night before, I knew that the sun would rise the next morning. I sat in silence, urging him to continue. In my old neighborhood, there was always something going on. Drugs, prostitution shootouts, you name it, we had it. 
And I walked to school every day through that madness. Through folks trying to make a name, trying to punk me. I had to deal with people constantly trying to size me up and take me down. Sometimes they were successful. Less often, I was able to give them an ass whooping that they would not forget. But whether I won or lost, the sun set and rose the next morning. I knew that I wasn't long for that place, so I buried myself in school. Big said that you either slung crack rock or had a wicked jump shot. I had no desire to be a dope boy, and I couldn't hit a consistent J. So I decided to take route number three, which was college. I graduated from high school a year early because I took summer school courses. I went to college on a full academic scholarship, and I received my bachelor's in three years, master's in five, and doctorate in eight. That day I received my doctorate, I went back to my old neighborhood for the first day since I graduated from high school. As I walked down the street that I grew up on, I saw the same guys that I used to fight with. They looked defeated, and I felt triumphant that I had succeeded in my goals, that they were still there, doing the same shit. That feeling never left. I do what people can't. That device, it is something that no one else could have done. That is why I didn't want to finish it. Once that gets in the hands of your friends, they will mass produce it, and I guarantee that it will be the beginning of the end. That is my legacy that I succeeded where others failed, and I built roads where others were scared to even lay one foot. Whether it causes destruction or not isn't of concern to me, and it shouldn't be of concern to you either. True. (laughs) I'm about to die, and I'm worried about the plight of society. What in the world is wrong with me? After all, the sun still rises. I slit his throat tied stones to his body and pushed him into the river. Then I took a picture of the device and sent it in a text message to Clements along with the words, Job 1 completed. A few moments later, he sent me back a video message. Good job on this first objective. Leave the device and the flash drive in Locker 218 at Raleigh-Durham International Airport. Go home and get some rest. We will ensure that the information is valid and we will send you another message with a number. That number will indicate how many, if any, limbs were removed. Have a good day, Mr. Sinclair. We flew back home. Seven hours later, I received another text message that simply said, Zero. I breathed a sigh of relief. Although I knew that my information was correct, I was still concerned that there may have been a misunderstanding, and that would prove deadly for my family. Well, one down, three to go. Just another day in the life of Jeremiah Sinclair. Super nigga extraordinaire. At that moment, the phone rang. I thought of letting it go to voicemail, but I picked it up at the last minute. Simulcast. Don't know my name, and you slipped.